Welcome to a special segment of Women Investing in Women and Girls for our premium subscribers on the State of Women Radio Network. The world's leading voice for women and girls who are transforming private equity, venture capital, crowdfunding, angel, and impact investing. Now, here's Women Investing and Women and Girls. Welcome to Women Investing in Women and Girls on the State of Women Radio Network. I'm your host, Michelle Jaffe, with Avery McCall, and we're so thrilled to welcome our guest today on the show, Jackie Zayner, who is the Chief Engagement Officer of Women Moving Millions and the President of the Jacqueline and Gregory Zayner Foundation. It's great to have you back on air with us, Jackie, and let's get back to the the fabulous subject of Women Moving Millions, and with that, I'll hand it back off to Avery. Yes, so Jackie, I mean, you are doing absolutely unbelievable work with Women Moving Millions, and I'm really intrigued because we're living in such a digital age, how this increased interconnectedness has bolstered the power of the work that Women Moving Millions is doing, and further, how it's bolstered the power of women and girls around the world. Oh my gosh, yeah, so great, such a great uh, question. I was just actually, just yesterday at a conference that was all about sort of the power of flow and technology. And one of my biggest takeaways was uh, sort of them talking in this little bit out of context, but, you know, they were talking about the power of what they said, sort of this trusted space, you know, and how um, now with technology, obviously we can be brought together, not just in physical space, which is actually key and fundamental to building trusted space, um, virtually, but how, you know, new business models and new things are possible in a way that never um, could because of technology. But it's, you know, it's not just technology, right? It's it's technology facilitating um, what might, you know, happen otherwise and allow you to create and support communities. And, you know, I think that's sort of the biggest thing that um, we've been able to do that is, is yes, is supported through technology, but Again, not to replace or uh, in any way the value of of that person to person, and and what it means to be in relationship with people who share your values and who share your passions. And you know, this takes back to my journey when I was kind of I, I often call it my lost in the desert time when I left um, my role at Goldman Sachs and was figuring out what to do. And I knew I wanted to make a difference in the lives of women and girls. I knew that was my passion. But, you know, you just got to start literally at the time, you know, it's picking up your phone and, you know, calling people and say, do you need, do you have someone I need to meet or, or that I should know? And now both with women moving millions, but also, you know, in so many, and it's what you all are doing, you're building communities that are facilitated through technology for people to meet each other and learn from each other and do things together in a way, in ways that were never possible. So. It's more than social networking. I don't know, but there must be, maybe maybe Avery, you have a name for it, but that's really been the power of technology to connect people in ways that we were just never able to before. No, I absolutely agree. And I think it's been so interesting for me, and I'm sure Michelle agrees, is entering the world of philanthropy when we have, when it is, technology is second nature to us, and we are such inherently global citizens because we can access anyone or anywhere. Um, and I think 
as we start to wrap our discussion up and, and start taking a step back, I'd love to hear um, how you feel our listeners can engage with the work of Women Moving Millions, whether they're in the position to be a pledging or donating member or are on the, the business or entrepreneurial or nonprofit side of it, and also how you feel they can really tap into these networks that you've just been discussing of like-minded individuals who are who want to make a change in the world. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, I feel like we're, I, I hate to say we're at a, a moment for women because we've heard that over and over again and we never, we never seem to be. Um, but I think that there's just, um, there's just so much energy and a commitment. I think in one, it's sort of been supported by the business case and all the evidence and research from a philanthropic context that says, you know, investing in women is a good strategy. It's a strategy to increase, um, you know, a, a family's well-being, a community's well-being. It's a strategy for peace and security. It's a strategy for economic development. So I think because of that, there's been just so much more attention to it. But it's also the need. You know, I've been very involved with an issue um, around campus-based sexual assault, for example. I was, uh, one of the things I do is invest in documentary films and those made by, by women, and particularly around what we might say uh, issues that affect women and girls. And you take an issue like that, and it's just been blown up, thankfully, as a function of the film, The Hunting Ground, but also, you know, people taking hold of that and t- sharing their stories and it being meaningful, you know, to them. And we're really at the cusp, um, not just of awareness building, which, of course, is key to any long-term social change, a real policy change happening at all levels. And, you know, at the end of there's no one issue that matters, you know, I think more than others. I think it's a matter of connecting into what matters to you. And uh, obviously, I would hope that there's a gender lens perspective to that. And especially if you are a woman, you know, um, or a girl, you know, and, and my daughter is, is already beginning her um, activism and social change work through an amazing program, Avery, I know you were part of called Girl Up, but it's never too early to find out what you care about and how to get involved. So even if it's not connected in to women moving millions or, you know, whatever that might be, you know, finding your passion, finding, you know, what it is that matters to you. And, and finding community um, within that, uh, around that passion is, is what's going to change the world. I could not agree with you more. I think it's so important that we all remember the power each one of us has to make a difference in the world, whether that is pledging a million dollars or whether that's writing a congressman or whatever capacity you can make a change in. Um, and I think as your career path has shown economics can play a huge role in influencing the way in which the world operates and and the gender balance within the world. So I, I would be curious how you think we listeners, women, can more effectively tap into um, an economic rewards or economic consequences system um, in the culture that we live in, the consumer culture that we live in, to create a change. Because we all have power with the money that we spend or the money that we invest. Oh my gosh, I could not agree more. And I actually think the most underused tool we have for social change and specifically around this issue of gender inequality is our daily purchasing power. 
Um, when you look at, you know, the size of the U.S. economy, which I think is around $15 trillion or something annual in terms of GDP, compared to philanthropic giving annually, which is around $360 billion, of which only a, a, a sliver of that, and it's hard to measure, frankly, but maybe somewhere between 15 and 20, maybe 25% goes specifically to women and girls. Um, that's a huge disparity, especially in light of the fact that women make, according to different studies, you know, somewhere between 70 and 85% of the decision-making around um, our purchasing power. So when you, when you back out those numbers, we have billions, literally trillions of, 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 of dollars in our pocket that we could be aligning with our vision and values. So you look at that a discrepancy, one that makes me absolutely crazy, that if it's true, and it is, you know, that women have all this purchasing power, and yet companies still to this day have very few women in senior leadership roles, um, somewhere between, you know, 15 and 17% even on boards of directors, even on companies that, that create products specifically designed for women. You know, why? And this is, of course, not to say that, you know, just because they don't have any women, aren't, they aren't serving women well. But, you know, at the same time, that, that upsets me. And, and if we were more willing at times to be inconvenienced or have the tools which are now just being created, like um, the buy-up index, for example, that can help us align our purchasing power, our day-to-day purchasing, what movie we go to, you know, what movie we see, what theater we go to, who we pick for a financial services prom, uh, partner, what shoes we buy, where, where we grocery shop um, with our values. Oh, my gosh, we would accelerate social change in a way that would make our heads spin. Absolutely. And to go along with that idea, the discrepancy between the power women have and consumer decisions and how there is minimal female leadership and how that really is an issue of having enough women for girls to look up to as role models. Um, you know, we all know the, the line that you can't be what you can't see, right? Um, so how can you feel that we can really address gender discrepancy, this inequality at the source to inspire girls to one day become the women that they want to be? Yeah, I mean, you know, I have a 16-year-old daughter, and as mentioned, she is, is part of this program called Girl Up, so I had the opportunity to go to their conference, a little piece of their conference this past July, where there's literally a room full of, you know, hundreds of unbelievable girls, and I think, and to me, I, I sat in the back room going, oh my gosh, you know, we are in such safe hands, you know, us older chicks just need to move aside and let mm-hmm. these girls take over the world, truly. You know, and I think that's true what I see with my own daughter. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, girls are way outperforming boys on average in school, right? They're not necessarily pursuing careers in STEM, um, which mm-hmm. we know, and there's, you know, gender issues and pedagogy and things that need to happen in that regard. But I think the younger generation, in terms of their attitudes, um, towards each other, towards inclusiveness, are just way ahead of what's currently institutionalized in the system that's, that's holding, you know, um, you know these, these, the bias. Um, that being said, you know, what I think you see with the millennials is that when, you know, girls that have been raised to believe everything's peachy keen and it's an equal world and they've competed with boys their whole lives, get into a system that has embedded bias in it, 
um, you know, then it's like, whoa, what happened here? I wasn't expecting that. And then until it shows up for them. So I kind of am two minds of this. You know, I'm not, I'm a very impatient person. So I think on the one hand, you know, that the generations are going to push a lot of that, hopefully out of the system. But, you know, systems and especially large institutions are just super hard to change. So I see the change happening um, much more in the entrepreneurial space um, where we have issues, i.e. access to capital, which is a big one and one I'm very, very, very focused on at the moment. Because if if women can't be the next Mark Zuckerbergs uh, of the world, um, then that's going to, in my view, be a huge problem. Um, but I think that the younger folks that are, A, yes, challenging the system to the extent that they you know, get in these large companies, but increasingly shifting and creating new culture and wealth by means of doing it on their own is just critically important. So, you know, again, there's, it's such a gender inequality. is just so such a big issue, right? And it's everywhere in many ways. Um, So it's hard to give, you know, a two minute answer to a big question like that. But I think there are a few levers. Um, One, we talked about the consumer purchasing power that is a big one that can be pulled to access to capital for women entrepreneurs. Another big one we need to pull. The third in my view, and I could probably give you 10, is the need to change the public narrative around um, gender and in particular women. And that's where the role of media and film, both documentary and feature narrative, comes, comes in. And that's another big lever that I'm personally working on very deeply. I absolutely agree. It's so important for one to truly recognize their potential. Um, The solutions that you mentioned as well, like changing the public narrative and increasing access to capital for women. You know, no country has perfect gender equality and it will take a while to create an effective solution. However, your work is helping us to get to that point. What I'm curious to ask you now is what does success mean to you? How do you measure success and how has your measure and definition of success changed through your career? Yeah. Oh gosh. I just, someone just sent me a poem the other day that I wish I had in front of me and I would um, read it to you because it's sort of, it's, it's, I think it's called uh, what matters and it, it, it's a poem. It's, it's like the, oh my gosh, a Keating poem that I um, used to uh, still love called if, Um, but it sort of gets to, this point that, you know, at the end of the day, we're not going to be remembered um, for our money or for our things or for a list of sort of accolades and awards and accomplishments. Um, you know, we're, what matters, you know, so profoundly is, is, is the difference that we've made. You know, have we, have we taken whatever the gifts um, and the blessings that we have in our lives and people have very uneven, as we know, um, uh, buckets uh, of what they can bring um, to the world. That being said, everyone brings something. And, you know, I used to be super motivated by money. My kids kind of joke with me. My my tagline in my my, uh, high school yearbook was like, I want to make a million dollars by the time I'm 30. And that was (laughs) in 1982. So there was a time when, you know, and I don't think that's a bad thing to be very motivated to make money. Um, but then it's, and, but it's then it's like, how do you may, how do you make that money? And then what, and what do you do with it? Um, so, you know, now I'm, I'm just super motivated and passionate about, you know, and it sounds like such a cliche, but about making a difference. I mean, I come 
at it from a faith perspective. That's sort of at the core of who I am and and why I serve. And, you know, I'm very, very blessed person to have a great family, a great husband, you know, great extended family. I have resources. And, but more than anything, I have it on my heart that this is the issue um, that is, for me, the issue. This is what I'm, the work I'm called to do in the world. And I will, I'm sure I will do it, you know, hopefully not till the end of my days. I hope there'll be a time where I'm like, oh, gender equality, check that box. We, 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 we did that. Um, Right. But until that day comes, you know, I will, I will just keep up, you know, with the work because it just, it just matters so much, you know, and it, it, it's not just about sort of, you know, women and girls, you know, having, you know, this big issue of equality. It means what it, what it means for the individual life? What will it mean for the, the woman who will not um, have to endure sexual assault because, you know, the, where she goes to college is a safe place for her. And men and boys have, have attitudes that, you know, rape or sexual assault is not okay. You know, what does it mean for a woman who has a great business idea to actually have um, opportunity to get the capital she needs to drive her business or, you know, I was just in Zambia, in, in rural Zambia with Gloria Steinem and a group of women over the summer where we were, you know, at these schools, at these health clinics, you know, at these NAU, you know, to, for a girl to actually have, you know, the education, not only the education to be able to go to school, but not be married off when she's 14 or 15 because the family has no other economic opportunity. So, you know, gender equality is, yes, the big one, but at the end of the day, you know, I see faces behind the work that I do. And that's what motivates me more than anything. Yeah, again, the work you do is so incredible. And it's been tremendously inspiring for both Avery and I to hear your story. And I'm also so excited for our listeners to hear it as well. We'd like to thank you again, Jackie, for joining us today. Well, thank you to both. I know you both are incredible women yourselves. So it's such a it's such an honor, you know, to be with you and to know a little bit about your stories and to be, you know, on this platform. So thank you as well for the amazing work you do. Thank you. Once again, Jackie Zayner, the Chief Engagement Officer of Women Moving Millions and President of the Jacqueline and Gregory Zayner Foundation. I'd like to invite everyone listening in to us today to connect with us by going to facebook.com slash womeninvesting or follow us on Twitter by going to at womeninvesting. We'd like to thank everyone for listening in today. You've been listening to Women Investing and Women and Girls. This show is produced by the State of Women Radio Network, the first radio network for women and girls. I'm your host, Michelle. Jaffe and along with Avery McCall we'd like to thank you again until next time thanks for listening to this special premium members segment of women investing in women and girls subscribe to our podcasts join in the conversation on Facebook and find all of the information you're looking for at thestateofwomen.com 